Okay, we're going to be looking at Parsha's Afrei Mos Kedoshim. And this will begin on page Kuf Ayin Aleph. <coughs> we'll see the first mimer in Afrei Mos. Okay, it is brought down in the writings of the Ari HaKadosh. The two older sons of Aaron who perished after they brought a, an Esh Zora. They were on such a high level that they were actually Mesakein. They actually rectified the fate of Odom HaRishon. And their avoda was very great. So what was the problem? The chait was that they were not commanded to do what they did, and it was something they should have been commanded. So it wasn't about their madrega in that respect, but it was the deficiency that they were not commanded. The imkain, therefore, he kind of looks at the other side of that. Mikol shekain, all the more so. Misha mitzuva made a person who is commanded to do something, lahanhig, to lead. Harehu mechuyav, then he's obligated. Umuchrach laasos, and commanded, he's compelled to do es asher nitztav lahanhig, that which he has been commanded to do, to lead. So if people who were not commanded to take that leadership role and we see that that was the unfortunate consequence. So looking at, looking at the other direction, if you are, and you are, have the ability, and you have the command, and you have the mitzvah, then how, apparently how great it must be, the things that you can accomplish. Isa, now he says an interesting thing, which a lot of people wonder about. Sha'amru Moshe not even Avihu, they said about Moshe and Aaron, when will these two old men die so we can become the leaders? Right. That doesn't sound like people who were misaking the chait of Adam Arishan, right? <laughs> when are these two old fellows going to leave this scene and we can be the manhigim? So, he said, people in general, they are very puzzled by this chazal and what it means. But in truth, a person who has no self-involved motivation whatsoever, not even a nigiya, not even a touch of self-involved motivation, but everything that they're doing is completely for the sake of God, like those two great men, for people like this, we have no such question. So this is, this is what he's saying. He doesn't answer the question, but he says this. He says it's not a question. So for, for people who have ulterior motives in life and other agendas, which is everybody, right? So we always have to think about our motivation and why do we think that and maybe I should have thought something else, which is all true. That's introspection and reflection. But for people who are completely beyond any personal gain or motivation, that means every, every thought that they have was proper, and when they said that, there was something about that thought that was right, that we can't grasp. 
because we don't know about life without any self-centered motivations. So he's trying to illustrate their greatness and that we sh- as Rabbi Trusky used to say, when it comes to great people, we can't put our head on their shoulders. You know, and that's what he's trying to bring out here. He doesn't answer what they were thinking and what they were trying to achieve, but he, he does say that we can't try and understand people who have no personal negiyah. That is all, okay, just a separate thought, but maybe um, a mahalath in this, that they were, uh, what they were thinking that. It doesn't mean to say that they wanted Moshe and Aaron to die so that they can, they could leave. But maybe what it means is that they were very ready to leave. They were very re- ready to take that position of leadership. It's like, okay, when's our time going to come? It's like, you know, it's a situation where you have a young man, like he's in his early 20s or his mid-20s, he's been learning, been learning a lot, and he's chomping at the bit, you know, to go out there to start to teach and to start to get involved with people in community life. It's like a step aside, a step aside, uh, you know, the other, let, let, me, let me get out there and, and do what I can do. I, I see, I'm starting to see my abilities and my, my skills with people let me just get out there and actualize it. Or, even more precise, someone like that, young man, starts to see, you know what, I have some abilities that are really more pertinent to what people are thinking now than the 70 and 75 and 80 year old leaders of this generation. I grew up this way. I can understand the kids better. The things that they're saying are not really landing on the target. So they say, must I, when's my time going to come that, that I can really start to express what I see and what I've learned to the next generation, which is the generation which Bezras Hashem, they're going to lead. So I think you could look at this uh, in, a, in a positive sense. It's not, it's not like, let's knock these guys off so we can get up there. It's a real dedication and almost an anxiousness to take your place and lead Kla Yisrael, which shows a lot of preparation has been done. But the lesson is that it's only in Hashem's hands when that time is going to come. Right? The leaders that God wants, He has. So those Zikanim, Kinnon Hora, are here and we have Him. We had Rav Scheinberg here last week, 94 years old, one of the Gedolei Hadur. So he's a leader in the generation. Hashem says, I, w- I want these people. And when the time comes for the next generation to step up, that's not something that that generation can or should force, but rather take its place on the, on the stage of leadership when, when Hashem says, now, now the time has come. So maybe that's one way to look at that. Yes, the, the thing that, I, that, that, that still sort of bothers me about Please. this is, it's that somewhat, to me, that sort of begs the question because on some level, if they brought a, uh, a, um, a Corbin that wasn't commanded, they had some kind of faulty perception. Um, and yet, we almost seem to go out of our way to Danum Lutzavs, whereas like Kaurav, who also had a faulty perception, you know, we're very harsh on our tradition, right. is very harsh on Right. Um, uh, so, and so, uh, um, so th- and that's hard for me to reconcile. Sure. 
Um, I think this is a, an important insight into that. The Torah, mainly really, the Torah Shabbat Peh, it takes us in, inside the person. The Torah Shabbat is miramis to it, but it's hard to see it. Korach's misperception was based on rishis. None of it on views, misperception was not. It was incorrect judgment. But they were not, they were not wicked. They made a mistake in judgment. Korach's mistake was about something in him that was wicked. Mean, meaning that he had a, some kind of a, a negia, an emotional negia or whatever, an ego-driven negia that caused him to have a false behavior right. or a misinterpretation. Right. He did have Nebuah. Yes, he did. Yeah, what was going to happen down the line. So I think that's what's, what's happening is that when the Torah Shabbat is saying, this person is a Russia, this person, the person is a Sadiq, even sometimes Lovelin, you can't see in the Tzukim what's so bad about him. Well, sometimes you really can. But sometimes he seems like, oh, you know, he's a good guy. He just wanted to kiss his daughters and his grandkids, and any person's entitled to that, you know. But the Torah, the Torah Shabbat takes us inside the person so we can see that person's mistake was because of Rishis and that person's mistake was not. It was some other error that they made, but it wasn't about Rishis. Yes, Mark? Uh, I want to point out a different uh, direction, how I see it, being a BT, not an FFB person. Right. Uh, my, my emphasis in the early, my early years was social action, so it had nothing to do with learning, per se, okay. except in a secular you know, university sense. So I'm coming in for a different reason, not not to whatever, but to pick up what I did not have earlier. So when you say social action, it means just about being from Washington, every protest, or just about every protest I could get down there to, mm -hmm. without really knowing under, well, I know what I was there for, obviously, but uh, without understanding the halakhic or whatever, you know. Mm -hmm. That's a different direction altogether. So it's more taking, as go through the years, uh, and now, I don't want to be, let's say, term over the hill, but uh, I wanted to make certain they get in the learning aspect. In, in my life where at a very important decision that I was asked to make or needed to make and I consulted with a person who was my elder and who was a Talmud Fatham to talk about what path to take and with, without exception I always gained 
insight from those conversations without I always learned that you know what maybe maybe my decision is right but maybe I'm going about it in the wrong way and that you learn from an older person or from a zakeh like yes this is what you have to do you're right but approach it from this side not from that side or approach it next month not now some some kind of insight insight like that so not even a view you're like having that useful um, energy and insight but not having the zikna you know that the tam tam zakeni it's called the, the flavor the taste the seasoning of the zakeni uh, when Hashem sees a person has that then you know they step onto the stage of of leadership and of course there's always a learning curve there's always a learning curve a young leader is going to do things differently than an older leader yeah yes Bert Bert a couple of things here and I missed the beginning so I don't yeah. know what you spoke about mm-hmm. it bothers me that first of all it's different then than it was is now then Really, it was one leader. I mean, really, one leader um, who was absolutely the leader of his generation. And then there was Iron. Okay, who was also a leader. Right, it was a leader, but, but not the leader. But not the leader. Where nowadays we're, we we have many, there are many diverse many leaders. leaders, and there's a couple preeminent leaders you know uh, that everybody accepts but still the challenge it almost you know it's harder for me to uh, I it seems to me that maybe they weren't just challenging Moshe they're challenging Hashem something's not right because how do you that was correct yeah I'm not talking about that was not an that they would believe that they could even challenge Moshe Rabbeinu. I mean, you know. It doesn't say that they could. Now, what he says, what the Chidush what Arim says, is that they had no personal motivation, no self-centered motivation whatsoever. They were completely free of Nagias, and, and their thoughts were completely Shem Shemayim. So really, his statement was that we can't understand them, because we were not like that. Then I offered it to just a different mahalach in it about the idea of younger leaders stepping up into a position of a leadership. And but even if you're in a door like ours that has many leaders, you still have to choose one. And, you know, make sure that you have proper Aitsa and proper counsel. You don't have to consult with ten Gadola Yisrael every time you're gonna make a big decision that you should consult with one. And that's our apprise. That That's our obligation. When it comes to those big monumental decisions in life, you know, we, we have to be prepared to take that to a, an older person and a, and, a, and a zakin. We certainly don't have to do that every day of our life, nor should we. But we got to know, have to learn which, which of those inyanim to bring forward. And that I think you can and you must do in a generation where there are are many, many manhigin. Well, I thought your example, you know, I was thinking in terms of businesses, and you have huge businesses uh, that have the 
president, CEO, usually the man who founded the business. Inevitably, you have the sons or somebody coming up, chomping at the bit. Mm -hmm. Case in point was like Rite Aid, I guess. The father stepped back but said, still come to me for advice. And the son almost destroyed the business. Right. Uh, and so I, I guess you can say that we all have that. We're ready to take on a role. But I've, I've been taught well. Always, you always wait. Wisdom comes from the ones above you. You're right. right. Uh, impetuous comes from below. Right. That's 100%. Right. And, and maybe <laughs> if, if there is something that we can bring out of this that, that bears on our own avoda is impetuousness. That what they did was very high and was very holy, but there was something about it that rushed into it and didn't have proper deliberation. There, I, yeah. get, uh, I read something that was nice was in our davening, and uh, it will be in English, but it says a remnant. It talks about uh, protect the gear, the righteous, and it gets into the remnant of Israel. Right, and so it says, well, what's left after you went through the other categories? Uh -huh. <laughs> and the beautiful thought, beautiful shot I saw was he said, that remnant is the bridge to the next door, or the past door. Mm -hmm. the, the rabbis, the elder rabbis, they're the bridge to the, the men before. The they're the previous generation. They're the, the link to the Masorah. Right. And that's why we still need nice. them to be protected. Very nice. Very nice shot. Yes, Chaim Puna. Um, I've been learning a lot uh, recently about uh, the Rashi with the Longbomber coming up. And uh, I guess I'm caught, or it struck me a parallel of opposites in some ways when the Rashbi and the sun came out. Um, There's also the eye of, of the cave, and they they were at a Madrega where when the sun looked, fire, wherever they looked, kind of a he burned fire, it up. It kind of got got burned up mm -hmm. and they had to go back because kind of where they were coming from didn't fit uh, this world. And it was also the son of the Rashbi who was, who was like... Making the fire stuff. Making the fire <laughs> stuff. Um, and here, Nadava and Avihu were, um, weren't involved in a chet necessarily, but what they were doing wasn't for this world. Um, and and they were they themselves were consumed by fire, and, and they brought fire. And, oh, and they brought. Hey, Sarah. Hey, Sarah. So somehow it's about what works, you know, like what you said about it. It may be right, but it not not now. It doesn't fit with what I guess with that the high Bahem. Um, they were willing to, in both cases, kind of nullify what was going on at this level because they were at a different level, but that's not what was called for at this, this particular point. You know, I'm just wondering, if your uh, comments kind of made me think that, you know, boys are very attracted to fire. Yeah. <coughs> boys, little boys, light fires. And uh, you got to, we, we all know as parents how careful you got to be with boys and fire because they're attracted to it. And girls don't really seem to have that for whatever reason. And I just wonder if like that's that potential inside of them, that ish, that mm. fire that they're going to make in the world 
And it requires so much chinuch to say, be careful with fire, don't play with fire, be, be careful, make sure, don't play with matches. It requires so much chinuch to get the boy to the point where he's a young man and his fire is a warm fire, a controlled fire, a kedusha of fire. And he may be on fire, you know, letov. He makes that kind of contribution. But when you talk about Rabbi Lazar and the problem with fire, and another one with fire, it just kind of kind of clicked in my mind. Maybe that's their potential that they're experimenting with. And we, in this case, are the Zikanim. Got to make sure that the fire is in the right place. Like bone or fire? Fires. Maybe they don't uh, to make fire. Yeah. Maybe these boys, including Nadav and Abihu, meet the Isha to compliment. Yeah, that, was, that was one of their uh, ah, right? You know? right. right. They, were, they were not married. That was one of the because our wives, you know, being um, some are, are dead yeah, our are <laughs> have a different perspective, you know. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Ishan, Ishan, Ishan. Right. Right. Again. Right. I'm bold when the CDs are Very good. I heard a psychologist suggest um, when I was teaching for Miriam school that there's a problem with boys lighting fires. So he, he pretty much put it in a sexual arena. And uh, I mean, but I think what fit in this whole thing in terms of potential, in terms of creative potential, but he really felt that that immediate issue is this sexual drive that's there on fire needing to express itself. Mm -hmm. Interesting thought too. Which fits with Isha. Yeah, right. right. And, um, and, and sexuality is a very good is a good thing. Um, there's, still, there's still some of us who are still not yet married, so it's a little bit deep for too deep okay. for us. <laughs> I, it's not a subject I would, you know, because we're not there yet. You can listen and learn, right? Okay. <laughs> listen to the elders. <laughs> <laughs> the elders. I was calling the prices today. Yeah, sure enough. About Venus, the world being created. About what? The, the world being created from aspect of Elohim, Midas Hadin, okay. and then um, kind of Rachamim as the Vidyavid, uh, or the fallback mode. Is that, is that kind of our understanding when Mashiach comes, it's going to revert to Midas Hadin, and why? There's more Deen. Yeah. What's that? There is more Deen, right. But in regards to Halacha <coughs> shifting to Beishamai, that's, that's all. That's Similar content. Because the more the Deen, the more the Shar. Because the more the Deen means, that means what you got, you really earned it. And if there's less Deen, I earned it, but I earned it, you know, kafa kafa. And the world is omade al Deen because Hashem really wants us to earn our Madrega to the best that we can. So as we go, go become greater, hence there's more Deen creating greater Shar. Rachamim allows us to exist in the world and earn, even through Deen, but without the Rachamim, we wouldn't even be able to earn it because <laughs> we'd have no right to be here. Uh -huh. So just on a, on a deeper level, what some of this forms say is the Rachamim is here, Bedin. Right? That it's only right that Rachamim be here. If the Tafla says that we earn through Deen, 
but we're put here and we can't live because there's too much deen. So the next deen is that there has to be rachamim. The rachamim came as a result of deen. In that respect, it's not really a fallback or a bit of it, it's just a process. Sure. I was thinking that is it is it is it a model that the way almost like a efficient uh, I guess I'd say efficiency model that you know that Hashem has a plan that if everyone would step up and operate in terms of Midasadin that his plan would be fulfilled according to his will and but so, so that so Rachamim is just—is it kind of—is there an idea that because we're not doing what Hashem really wants, like a business, a, a factory, something that is, we're not running at full efficiency, peak efficiency, and that Rachamim, this whole relationship that we have, is kind of really not a level below what things could be working at. Yeah, and there, there is something to that, and that the, we're trying to, just to use your muscle, we're trying to become more and more efficient as we grow through life and being able to um, make choices that are, are more, you know, rightfully earning of our madrega, so the factory is really running well. And the more we're able to lift ourselves to that level, then there's a little less rachamim that's needed. But I'd say a little less because we need a tremendous amount of rock. <laughs> we need a tremendous amount of rock. I mean, margin of error. To get by. <laughs> okay, let's take a look at one more mimer, Parshish Kedoshim. Uh, page Kuf Ayin Gimel. Do the mimer on the uh, right side of the page, second paragraph. The Midrash. The Midrash says, Kedoshim Tihiyush, be holy. So the Chacham say, Yocho Kamoni. Does that mean that we can become as holy as God? Talmud Lomar, the Torah says, Ki Kadosh Ani Hashem, because I Hashem am holy, meaning, Kedushasi Lamala Mi My holiness is much greater than your holiness. So in case the person ever gets to thinking that he's so holy, he's God, Hashem is letting us know that, no, I'm God and you're not. Ki hapirish kedoshim tiyu hu havtocha That's a beautiful thought. He says, this statement, kedoshim tiyu, it's not only a commandment, be holy, but it's actually an assurance of Hashem. It's a promise that God is telling us, you will be holy. Instead of saying, be holy, which is usually the shot, it's, you will become holy. Don't worry, you will become holy. Kedoshim to you, it's going to happen. It's a havtacha. Shayihiya kedoshim. Upirish ki kadoshani, so the meaning therefore, because I am holy, is, ki Hashem yisporach nikro kadosh al-shem shuhun nivdol v'na'ala mibriyosev. God is holy in that he is elevated and completely different than creations. And the Jewish people have the same attribute that we are elevated and different than the other nations. And we're called Kodosh, I am Hashem, your God. 
So trying to say that, of course, we can have Hashem's Kedusha. But Hashem is saying to us, just like I am holy, by living as Jews and living out your mission as Jews, then it will surely follow that you will become holy people. Because it has to. If you live out that light, it has to happen. If you live at that higher level, Kedoshim Tihiyu is the natural consequence. Then he says, Vaharambanzal, I don't know if he's saying something different or if he's trying to complement what he just said. Pirish, Kedoshim, what does it mean, Kedoshim? Adivri Harishuts. That the Torah is telling us all of those things that are not mitzvahs that we have to do in the world, do them in a holy way. Because that's the question. What is the Torah trying to say, Kedoshim, to you? Do the mitzvahs. Be holy. We've had all these mitzvahs, mitzvahs we have to do, learn Torah. How do you do that? How do you be holy? So the Ramban says it means when you're not doing a mitzvah, you have to be holy. And that's the way we go about our lives in the areas of Rishus. That a person has to conduct their life in the areas of Rishus with Kedusha as well. Now either he's saying a separate thought or he's saying the same thought perhaps and what he means is just like Kla Yisrael is elevated and different than the other people and Hashem is different and elevated than all the way we continue that is not only to be different and elevated in the mitzvahs that we do but in all of our behavior even the non-mitzvah behavior that we do the Divrei Rishus that the guarantee still follows Kedoshim Tiyu if you find your way through your Bechira to live that part of your life in an elevated way, also Kedoshim you, Not just in your mitzvahs, but even in your Rishus, it will follow. You'll become holy people. I guess like... Yeah. That's a couple of thoughts. And one, one is that uh, uh, I very much like the idea of this being a uh, kind of promise because uh, in the sense that uh, that if you say, well, what is the Torah trying to tell us when it says Kedoshim to you, um, the, the, uh, it, it really goes to the question of, of the quality of your being, the essence of your being, that, um, that sort of practicing this, uh, you know, keeping to the Torah, doing the mitzvahs, the final result is Kedoshim to you. And it's somewhat also reassuring it from the point of view of, um, of what we were speaking about before, about the transmission to the generations. Uh, the sense uh, it's, not, it's a nice thought uh, as parents that kiddoshim to you, that the, the children will go out, they'll also be kiddoshim. Very nice. Nice assurance, too. I have the thought was, just like the Rabbani Shalom is always kiddosh, it's like it doesn't he doesn't, so to speak, turn it on and off, mm-hmm. but only in these circumstances. Mm-hmm. That the natural consequence of our following the mitzvahs is that also we will, whether we're in a in shul or outside of shul, we're always in shul, so to speak. That, that Perpetual condition. That's where you know, we, that may that may be where it ties to the Ramadan each brought. Yeah. yeah. That but it's all of our life. Inside, like we're supposed to, mm-hmm. it should. Then it, it'll carry out. It should overflow. It should overflow. Yeah. We have to learn this. This isn't just some of us do. I'm getting more of that. <laughs> <laughs>
title. And that's been your problem. Have <laughs> <laughs> you guys have something to talk about? <laughs> I, I could say something. Uh, no, it's like, this isn't just saying, you know, with Hashem, it's a constant, it's a given, it's not even a, you know, right. it's holiness. Right. With us, we have the ability, I, I believe what you're saying is true, but that this holiness inside of us and around us is there. But we have to choose to um, learn how to use this. How to live like that. How do you right. live like that? Right. You know, it's you know, sure, it's easy to come to shul and shop this and you're a little holier than mm -hmm. um, at other times. Where, you know, uh, in this, in every action, when mm -hmm. you step out of this building, when you get an aggravating phone mm -hmm. call, when you know, it's much harder to be holy. <laughs> so many cuts you off in traffic. That's, right. you know, that's yeah, the right. time to be holy. And right. anything, how, you know, because it doesn't feel good. <laughs> yeah. So how does one get above that, you know? Step-by-step. Uh, Step-by-step. Mm -hmm. step. And the cough of the Torah and the cough of the mitzvahs, it, it pushes people in the, in the positive way, in that direction. You know, it's a gradual, gradual building of Kedusha that we have. And it doesn't come all at once. But it's a result of the lifestyle that we that we lead, the mitzvahs that we that we live. And then, as Avi was saying, ultimately that spills over into our non-mitzvah part of life. So, kind of like like we get the idea. Because it's so it's so much more difficult. I was saying to somebody yesterday, they were a person who I had I had to make a very difficult decision for a group of people, not not in the show. And I said to them, the reason this was such a difficult decision is because it was not a halachic decision. Now, halachically, it's very clear what's allowed and what's not allowed. But it was beyond. And therefore, those are the harder decisions that a person has to make. There is no. There is no. You've you got to take that, what I'm going to call the mentality of Torah, what we, what we call Das Torah, and be mispal and Davin that you're seeing this situation in a Torah light. And that really is very, very hard. And in that respect, there's something greater about the Kedusha in Divrei Rishus. Because then you're, you're taking all that you learned in Divrei Mitzvah and in Divrei Fiyuv, and it's okay, now how do I apply that to Divrei Rishus? You know, to that, to that phone call. I don't know why you didn't think about it, that I need to apply it more <laughs> at that time. You know, I'm going step further, yeah. you know? Well, that's, that's, that's a good problem. Yeah. That's true. Problem. And so that's sort of thinking, you know, that, um, we look at the Torah and say, well, it's, it's, it's really having a, this hashpah upon us. And, and one of the ways that we recognize that is that certain times in our life when we encounter certain taivas that we have and we notice that we don't have the same... Uh, the same uh, compulsion, the same, um, they don't make us quite as crazy as they, they once did. So it occurred to me that, that uh, so, you know, a non-religious person could say, well, it's just age. You know, you get, you get older, you get And it, it occurred to me that as I had those thoughts, as I sort of had those thoughts, like, what a bracha it is to be able to attribute those kinds of changes to the time. What a bracha it is to be able to uh, uh, mm -hmm. uh, see those as part of a, a meaningful progression uh, as part of a person's life, as opposed to a source of deterioration. Um, 
Settling it. Yeah. A comment from the PSS which is which is quite similar to what you're saying. And he said, if a person does not work on themselves in Torah as they age, all that happens to them is they just become older. But with avoda, then you really you really change. So the years in and of themselves, yeah, there's a certain natural pro- progression, like everybody recognizes you become wiser and you know things like that, hopefully. <laughs> but that's not the same as working on yourself in, in Torah, which I think is the point that you're trying to make. So, what would you use as a guide mark between distinguishing shtick versus uh, kedusha or a growth? You know, because there's so many models. I mean, you could have a Sparty, Mukubo, who is, you know, kind of very laid back looking. You have Ashkenazi, who's very straight. You have, there's so many styles of gadolim. So, you know, what would you say as an inner mark as, as your Kadoshan TA? You know, so what does that look like? What's the, you know, what's, what's an inner guide? So it's like now kind of off here. There's, there's two things I think that are important. One is, is what are your minhagim? Uh, where do you come from? Are you Sephardi or are, or are you Ashkenazi? It's a different shorish there. So if I'm one or the other, then I shouldn't be aspiring to the other, at least in terms of Lavush or whatever it is, and minhagim. And that carries a lot of weight. What, what, is, what is your origin? Is, is that, so to speak, genetic? Or is it something? Yeah. Well, it's, it's certainly, there are social components, but it's spiritual genetics, you know, because of min, minhagam are so important that, you know, we're not allowed to, to tamper with them. They do something with our neshama spiritually. So even if you have no idea what your family background is? Yeah, you try and find out essentially, you know, and it doesn't have to be mamish bidiyuk, you know. Like if you're, if you're from Ashkenazic um, descent, you could be a chassid, you could be a misnagid, you could be either one. There's, there's a big choice there. That you have to make, but somewhere in there, and that doesn't mean that you can't pick up some nice things from Sephardim or from um, uh, Temanim or whatever, and that they can, and they should make an influence in our lives too, and and to take on some of the things that you see from a different minhag and that you think are beautiful, not to take on the minhag, but to maybe try and adopt the quality of the minhag that you feel fits into your own life. Then the second part of that is personal. You know, that, okay, this is basically my, my mahalaf, where I come from, the group of people I'm associating with, but now, um, how, does it, how does it appeal to me? And, and that really is a very personal choice. You know, do you wear a hat, do you not wear a hat? Do you wear a strong or do you wear a hat? Do you wear a long, do you wear a short? You know, and those are, that's just the chitsonius. You know, and there's other panemiastic decisions that are even more profound. And that's a personal choice. It has to do with the person coming to know themselves and um, also asking, asking guidance. And you know, you have some people who are very, very great people and they, they really keep themselves to the side and they're, and they're quiet and they're they're just kind of hidden away and that's the mahalaf that's right for them. They have other people who are out there, you know, they're out there and they're vocal and they're and they're teaching and they're announcing and that when, when it's done in the right way. That's a, that's a personal a personal choice. I think it almost goes into the getter of the Chazal 
of Ein Adam Lomed Elamash Libo Hafez. A person ultimately learns that which his heart desires. And you have to find that which your heart desires in this Mahala. Part of that, I mean, I can see what you tried to say with the Mahagan, but when you're saying who, who do you look to as an influence, um, sometimes it's, it's, Generally speaking, I can see following somebody who follows something Hagen that you want, but sometimes the, the Baal Eitzah that you need to go to, that you need to look for, is somebody very different. Right. I know somebody mm -hmm. who's a complete Yaki here, mm -hmm. and when he was talking about going to his Rosh Hashiva, it's like, who was that? This is the Northern Mm-hmm. Because he went to uh, Breuer's, mm -hmm. or to, to yeah. mm -hmm. or, uh, you know, I'm, I'm like the Nomad, but that's a Hasid, and you're yet it's like, you know, isn't there a, 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 a border there wider than the sea? No. You know, I mean, it's really a Yeah, and that's, I mean, it's general. You know, you, f you find your general <coughs> extraction, you might say, and then within that general, your specific place. Yeah. Well, this is all goes to the whole question of subjectivity. I mean, how does a person know their own heart without uh, distortion? In a, it's not, it, in a certain sense, you, you need you need trustworthy guidance to right. be able to know your own reactions. Right. Right. And you need, and, and you know, if somebody who's giving you spiritual or religious guidance has their own agenda, right, um, and can't it see can't clearly see you see who you can't are, see it. Um, they can do a great, great disservice. Right. Right. Yeah, Shakarov, gentlemen.